0: going over a little bit of commentaries to compare to what, um, where we're at with all the uh, collections of the Spirit of Elijah's, but before I go over these commentaries, um, we're going to look at where we are actually at with it from, I feel like I should have started this off from the first seal, but being that this is like a progressed thing, I'm learning a lot more as well. So starting from in the last episode, I gave a little bit of detail for, you know, what to write down concerning uh, chapters one through uh, four, I think, is where I left off uh, about the uh, from the uh, rewards to the churches to the living creatures being zodiac signs, uh, the throne in the midst. And the saints, I went over a little bit about that and the uh, identifying the lamb. He's saying that he is the Messiah and all that. So we're going to go over what we've gotten so far with these seals. Um, First seal, we got uh, first living creature being lion. Lion will be Leo. July 23rd through August 22nd is when Leo is in the sky. Revelation chapter 6, 1 through 2. Uh, Basically... Uh, we've identified this person as Constantine the Great. He inherited his father's crown july twenty fifth he conquered with uh the bow and zechariah nine thirteen says Judah is a bow and the Messiah comes from Judah and Constantine the Great he did conquer with the Messiah after he inherited his his father's crown july twenty fifth during the time that Leo was in the uh sky. And he was also the first horn to be lamb-like, his feet like a dragon. In Revelation 13:11. We know that horns are kings from Revelation 17 and Daniel chapter 7. And Constance Augustus Rex does equal Revelation 13:18. And because this beast comes up out of the earth as two horns, it happens again. But it would only make sense to have some sort of thing to come, some event to come in to correct it, which comes up to our second seal now. If you want to, if you're just listening to uh, this is the first video of mine you've ever heard, then the first episode goes over uh, Constantine, Constantine, Constantine Augustus uh, Rex, and being 666, and everything between that first episode to where we're at. Um, I recommend listening to um, as if you do listen to them. I do go and listen to my episodes again to help me like keep track of everything so i realize i do mess up when i do my episodes but i don't go back and edit because i want to be honest with this study and and sometimes when i'm reading i'll be reading from a certain chapter and i'll mention another chapter but it i feel like if you've read the bible then the message like you know what i'm reading from and in my defense, when people read this stuff back in the day, they could just simply say the scroll of Isaiah, and nobody would ever say where at, what chapter or verse. Nobody, nobody ever did that, so I don't feel like I should have to do that. I feel like I should just be able to tell you what book, and then that be up to you as to whether or not you go and study it. Um, the second seal... We've got the second living creature, the bull identified as Taurus. The star dates for that is April nineteenth, May through tw- uh through May twentieth. This one has not been this one has not taken place yet, just as Constantine Great took a while to um go out and conquer with the Messiah because in Daniel all those visions are for latter days. People have all these theories for them. You will not be able to understand it until it happens. It tells you that. It tells the wicked will ask the wise what these events mean and they will explain it to them. So you're not going to be able to understand it until that happens. So I'm not even going to bother trying to understand it. So now we're looking at the second seal. Bull Tars, forgiven the dates, April 19th through May 20th. And this one, the end of Isaiah, tells us that I will wash your sins. That's the first chapter, so you ain't even got to read that far. Just read Isaiah chapter one. It says, "I'll oh, wash your sins away." Why? Although they were red as scarlet, so this red one would be a sinner, and we're saying that he will be given authority, and a lot of this authority is symbolized in the rewards to the churches, are also symbolized in the blessings to the King of Israel, and this individual would be uh, also prophesized not only by this second seal, but also by Balaam, but also revelation chapter 12 by also jacob uh and also primarily through the mercy to the tribe that shiloh comes from and that would be the tribe of ephraim now i have tried to understand the relationship between shiloh and the messiah because i do know the scepter never departs from the messiah and neither the ruler's staff and then it says until shiloh comes And then to him will be given the obedience of the people. And that resonates in the second seal. He is given power. So it's resonating that this Shiloh individual would be the second seal. And then we've given all that. So that's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at commentaries of the Shiloh before I get any further with my own studies. Uh, the third seal, it would be that king of Greece because we've identified these animals that come up out of the sea as Babylon, Means, and Persians in Greece. And Babylon always being the kingdom that the first beast resides from, and also being a consistent subject and being tacked onto the Enuma Elish, as well as Isaiah 14 in the second episode, and Constantine Great being 666, as I explained in the first episode. Now, With this third living creature, it says face of a man. Sagittarius would be that face of a man, and the dates are November 23rd to to December 21st. It's a black rider. He has scales in his hands, and he's told some sort of riddle, but he's also told not to harm the oil and the wine, and those are messianic and anointed symbols. Is what they are So this individual Would have no light in him And he's told not to harm Those that are messianic And would also be obedient To Shiloh's sword Because in the second seal We're seeing that He is given a great sword A great sword Was not invented Until the 14th century And a sword is the word of God Given by the Holy Spirit And we've linked that To the mighty angel Descending from heaven With a rainbow on his forehead Now I've said in prophetic language that a woman does symbolize a covenant. We have a woman going off to the wilderness. So there's a covenant going off into the wilderness. We have a woman on seven hills with whore on labeled on her forehead in uh, Revelation. We have a woman sitting on Mount Zion, uh, being told she has a forehead of a whore in Jeremiah chapter three. Uh, it doesn't say on Mount Zion, but that's how that's how it would work. Wherever this this covenant sits, that's the location that the woman sits. And whoever will be grafted into it is where it will be by the sea, saying numerous people will be grafted into this covenant. Now, with Shil- Shiloh's sword, being that it is a word God given by the Holy Spirit, and that angel does have a rainbow on its forehead. That rainbow would be God's seal, and that rainbow would also symbolize the covenant of Noah. So now, that's everywhere where I'm at with it. So we are going to be looking at uh, commentaries. I've got this one commentary. is from the Christian Carrier. The name of the article is Who is the Mysterious Shiloh by Wayne Jackson. And he pretty much does my work for me. He uh, goes over the background of it, the historical testimony. He goes over the text. Uh, he even recites the setter shall not depart from judah and then he also brings up claims uh the text clearly indicates that in some sense judah i.e the jews will retain their sovereignty until the arrival of the messiah after which at some point that rule would be surrendered the historical facts are these the, the substantial sovereignty of the nation never ceased until herod i ain't going to try to say that was removed from his position even when judah was subject to other powers it sustained a degree of anonymity. And mostly, was ruled by Jewish administrators. There were governors, high priests under the—I ain't saying those words—priest kings under whom Judah was temporarily independent of our power of other powers. Romans gave Jews their own king, Herod the Great. Okay, that's basically where uh, the Gospels take in with the Messiah. And it thus, is clear that by the time the Romans took direct control over the Jews, the Hebrew ruling power, quote unquote, scepter was completely and permanently gone for further study. See, Mick Clint talk in Strong, page 681. Shiloh, Messiah, had come. He's, his redemptive appearance is not awaiting the future. Oh, what? His redemptive appearance is not... What? Why do you say it like that? Balaam's famous oracle declared, "The stars shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall arise out of Israel. Numbers twenty four seventeen. Okay, I brought that one up. I brought up Balaam. I brought up Jacob. Now, this Balaam one, he's just quoting one verse. It's saying, Balaam's famous oracle declared a star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Numbers twenty four seventeen. I recommend reading that whole chapter because this whole chapter is coming. I will tell you what this people, the house of Jacob, will do to your people in the latter days. And if you go to the thebiblehub.com and you go to the original Hebrew text and you look at that verse that I just tried my best to recite, and you look at the Hebrew, you're going to see the word that's used for latter days. And if you click if you click that word, it's going to give you a lot of occurrence throughout uh, the prophets where it does give more latter days prophecies. So that means if you want to go out and do your own study, that is a way you can do it is a lot of these terms are, they're repetitive. Like, when Paul said the scripture was God-breathed, he meant it, and coincidentally, when he said it was God-breathed, the New Testament wasn't a thing. So, when he said the scripture was God-breathed, it was talking about the Torah. But that's that's a side thing I have to go in on later. Um, In Psalms 45, this is from the article underneath where they quote from Numbers 24, um, but more about that number is 24 right quick. If we're seeing this covenant with a crown of 12 stars giving birth to a child to rule the nations with a rod of iron, which is a reward to the church of Thyatira, then that would, this, a star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. I might have to look more into that because that star shall come out of Jacob. Because I'm trying to understand this relationship between Shiloh and the Messiah, and I feel like it's more similar to when Pharaoh gave Joseph authority. He was like, hey, I'm always going to be Pharaoh, but I'm just going to let you do things. It is I, that, That's what I'm seeing in it, but I don't see how that would really be a good thing don't nobody know what to do. Let's see. Psalms 45. God through his inspired spokesman addresses another individual whom he calls God. Uh, this is, it says his verses 6 through 7. I would probably have to, I haven't read this one. Your throne on God is forever. And ever a scepter of equity is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness; therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellows. I don't really see that being a te- like. This is supposed to be a commentary about Shiloh, and I don't see that being about Shiloh. I don't. Mm-mm. No, that wouldn't. No. Shiloh wouldn't be God. Let's see. The text is quoted by the inspired writer of the book of Hebrews and is applied to Christ. Hebrews 1, 8 through 9. Clearly, there is a correlation between the scepters of the biblical text. Okay. Yeah, I can understand. Like, yeah, definitely not Shiloh. I wouldn't tag that in with a Shiloh commentary angel Gabriel informed Mary that God would give her son the throne of his father David and he would reign over the house of Jacob forever and all his kingdom. There should be no end. Okay, well, I mean, that don't really, that doesn't really, like, contradict the whole Pharaoh sharing with Joseph analogy. I can still see that. Angel, let's see that administration. Again, when Jesus was raised from the dead, okay. i us see. It goes over a little bit more about, it's already in the New Testament. Uh, let's see. Obedience to the peoples. Regarding Shiloh, the text continues, and unto him shall be the obedience of the peoples. And ASD and ESE, and then gathering in King James Version. So, unto him shall be the gathering of the peoples. Uh the Hebrew term denotes willing obedience. So like Shiloh unto him, the willing obedience of the people shall be. Willing obedience. See Psalms see Proverbs thirty seventeen. For the only other use of the term in the old testament. Okay, let me write that down. I'm gonna do that later. Now, as I said, I'm just going over commentary. And this is this is pretty much how I got through Constantine the Great. Um, what was that? Proverbs thirty seventeen. I'm just gonna look at Proverbs thirty because I don't read Genesis twenty eight fourteen, Psalms chapter two eight. Yeah, Psalms chapter two. They're attaching, like, it foresees the universal reign of the Messiah over his kingdom, and then it quotes Psalms chapter 2. No, see, that's, you can't attach that strictly to the Messiah, because that is a blessing to all the kings of Israel. That's what granted all the kings of Israel authority. Just like with Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, there's a verse in that that people attach strictly to the Messiah too. It says, I will arise a person from amongst your people and it would lead you back to God. And people always attach that strictly to the Messiah. And that grants authority to every single prophet that ever spoke about the Messiah. So you can't, see, that is a example of putting God in a box. You you, you have to be careful with putting like, so much authority behind these verses, like, it's not supposed, it's an immersive story, it carries over, let's see, uh, graphic symbolism, scholars agree that verses 11 through 12 of what chapter? Eleven and twelve of what? Okay, it's talking about that uh shadow chapter in Genesis. Scholars agree that verses eleven and twelve are highly symbolic, quite characteristic of old testament prophecy with physical things, reflecting spiritual ideas, while the general thrust of the symbolism is fairly certain, namely that of the prosperity and victory in Messiah's reign. There are various Views relative to the meanings attached to figures in particular. Some suggest that the symbolism of tying one's donkey to a choice vine indicates that the prosperity of the Messiah's or the Messianic reign is such that even the finest wine can be used as a common tethering post. Others think washing one's garments and wine hit under cleansing of one's garments by the blood of uh, the Messiah. The dark eyes of white tea sometimes are interpreted as visions of strength and power. Some scholars See in the imagery also a preview of the bloody judgment to be inflicted upon the Messiah's enemies at the time of judgment. It then says Isaiah chapter 63, 1 through 6, Revelation 19, 11 to 18. As we noted above, though, the specific interpretation of the images may be somewhat. The general impression of the languages seems clear. Let it be stressed again. However, this is a picture of the current Messianic reign of the Messiah and his kingdom slash church should be consummated by his glorious return and destruction of all his foes. There is not a vision of a supposed 1,000-year reign in the future as advocated by millennialists. Okay. So that's the end of that. So I'm going to talk a little bit about some, the tying one's donkey to a choice vine. That, that is in Genesis chapter 49. So I'm going to go there right quick. And this is from the King James Apocrypha. I've got this on. Um, I do recommend cross-translating, or not cross, you can't cross-translate, but cross-referencing. And I would do more cross-translation when you get to the prophets and Revelation, but cross-referencing. King James Apocrypha. Uh, compare it to the Hebrew tab of Bible Hub on each specific verse. Um, and it's in the Judah, Latter-day 1, uh, verse 10, the century shall not part from Judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come until and unto him shall be the gathering, or until him shall the, the gathering of the people be, binding his follow unto the vine, and his cult until the choice vine, he washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes shall be red with wine and his teeth white like milk. <laughs> so, after the verse, it says, Until Shiloh come into gathering people be. We're given a little bit of a description about his foe into the vine, his ass is called unto the choice vine. And knowing that this is a latter-day thing, like Jacob is giving these latter-day you know prophecies or just telling him what his people are going to do or each house of his sons are going to do and you know we compare these messages to each of the sons and we compare them to the seal or the sealed up tribes and dan we know dan isn't sealed up and we see in jacob where he's talking to dan and we can See a little bit of aggression in, hey, this is what your peoples want to do in the latter days. And we can see why they wouldn't be sealed up based off of what he says. So with Shiloh attaching him to the one set apart from his brethren uh, and Joseph, because he wasn't talking to Ephraim and Those those are not his sons. Joseph is his son. So, and plus everything else leading up to this, we got this. Binding his foe into the vine and his ass is cold into the choice vine, his garments. And we've been given this description. And this vine, the vine, if we're going to read this as a day thing, we've got to take what we've already learned from the New Testament back with us to the Old Testament. And what we're given is the sacrifice and resurrection of the Messiah. So the Messiah has already been here. He's supposed to come again. And with each time... They're supposed to be a preparing the way. And with Constantine the Great being, you know, the first horn, lamb might be like a dragon, the first false prophet, the Shiloh person would have to be, you know, binding his foe unto the vine, that being the Messiah. Shiloh will bind his foe unto the Messiah, his ass his colt unto the the Messiah, the choice vine, wash his garments and wine, and the wine is the blood of the Messiah. It says the Messiah isn't going to wash himself with his own blood. He never had to. He was always white, pure, like with the riders, each seal. The first one being white, he would be pure because of ignorance. The other one would be a sinner. The third one would have no truth. So with washing his garments in wine, That red rider, I don't believe, would be red. And that's because I've started to see that this this whole book, like Revelations, is pretty much picking up where Balaam left off, where Jacob left off, where Zechariah left off. Because we've still got to go back to Zechariah, because in Zechariah, it tells you, the first three seals. I will bend Judah as my bow. Ephraim is arrow. Judah was you know, Constantine Great had Judah. We're linking Shiloh to Ephraim. Ephraim is his arrow. And then it says in Zechariah chapter nine, it tells you, I will ri- I will raise your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece. And then in verse thirteen of chapter nine, we're seeing God's arrow go forth like lightning, and that arrow is Ephraim. So, I'm going to be doing a little bit more studying about that. We're going to keep this episode short. I'm going to end it here. Uh, I'm trying to cover all my tracks before I go any more into that because it is a bit—it's different than what. I was raised to believe, and and I'm learning that what I was raised to believe wasn't technically the right way to actually follow the Bible. And I want to defend that right quick because when I get on here and I do these podcasts, I realize sometimes I do, sometimes I might sound angry, and that's only because I feel like I was lied to. So that's the only that's the only reason really. Um I try my best to do these episodes in a way to where which I'm not I don't know if I'm very good at it. I try to do these episodes in a way that they don't come off as being hey, I'm right, everything you were taught was wrong, but I've obviously got to look at all the evidence that's on the table here, too, and with so much evidence about constant and great and living in it, I would rather be safe. So that's why I'm continuing to do this Bible study, and I'm trying to cover my tracks before I proceed any further, so that way I'm not saying anything that really... Catches anybody off guard any worse than I probably already have. But that's going to be it for this episode. I will be posting a new episode next Saturday. Later.